0: Well, good morning, Fellowship Church. The Lord be with you. Let me state the obvious this morning. We are here to worship. Some of us are here already looking Godward, and others of us are half asleep still. We are here to join together in fellowship, and some are eager to connect. Others might be looking to hide this morning. We are here to learn and grow together to receive spiritual food for the spiritual journey and we are here to experience God's mercies which are new every morning thanks be to God I invite you to hear these words as our call to worship this morning they come from the book that we love Psalm 81 which says sing aloud to God our strength shout for joy to the God of Jacob for God says In your distress you called, and I rescued you. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of slavery. Open your mouth wide, and I will feed you. I will feed you with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock, I will satisfy you. Friends, let's stand together and praise the God who meets us here as we are.
1: pray with me holy God your word is food for our souls and refreshment for our hungry hearts thank you for sending your precious son into the world to be the bread that came down from heaven to feed our hungry soul and to give life through him you've given us many good gifts in this world and we thank you but we must also confess that sometimes we love those gifts more than we love you Help us to remember that these gifts of the world cannot fill us, for you are the only one who can. Forgive us for not being content and thankful. Forgive our selfishness. We often turn to you with our demands and expectations of what we can get from you, but you have given us a gift so great through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through you, we have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow to see the blessings in our lives with 10,000 beside. Give us eyes to see your gifts, hearts to embrace all creation, and hands to serve you every day of our lives. Help us to love you more. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, amen. Will you join us in singing this next song as we continue in worship?
2: Good morning. Welcome to Fellowship Church. Glad you are here to worship with us. Um, My name is Jess Mix, and I'm on staff as the Minister of Creative Arts and Worship here at Fellowship, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. One of the ways that we are an accepting community is that you can dance in worship. I don't know if you have been blessed as I have been by this young one over here. Thank you to the Here Sphinx for being awesome parents and letting your kid be a kid in worship. Um, Another way we seek to be an accepting community is uh, we we want to know new people. So if you are new and you've stepped in these doors, um, we would love to know who you are. And one of the ways that you can make yourself known if you are ready to do that is that we have connection cards at the back there where. the offering plates are, and you can pick one up and fill it out, and um, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better through that. Um, Another way that we... fulfilling our mission is that we are community-centered in Christ, and so we will gather around this table um, at the end of the service, and so we want you, especially online, uh, to know, those of you who are worshiping online, to gather your elements. If you haven't had a chance yet and you want to partake with us at the end of the service, you can gather juice or wine, um, bread or crackers, and, and we can partake together even though we're apart. The Spirit unites us. Um, And we are focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus Christ, and faithful followers step out into the world and serve others. Um, So we're excited this morning to have Shane Werfel come and tell us a little bit of how we're doing that as a community and some opportunities with our uh, mission partner, Community Action House. So thanks, Shane, for coming and telling us about that. Thanks,
3: Jess. Good morning. As Jess said, my name is Shane Werfel, and I'm here this morning to share about the food club at Community Action House. My involvement began last summer when my husband, Bob, came home from a consistory meeting and mentioned that Pastor Nate had discussed a unique opportunity for our church to continue in its partnership with Community Action House. They were looking for for someone from our congregation to serve as a coordinator for the new Food Club Adopt-A-Shift program. So I talked with Pastor Nate about what that might look like and decided to get involved in that role. What is Food Club? Well, food club is one of several programs in the opportunity hub at Community Action House. It opened in the fall of 2021 in order to provide more convenience, more choice, and low cost groceries for those in our community who experience food insecurity. Instead of receiving a pre-packaged box of food items as in the past, food club members are able to actively participate in choosing foods for themselves and their families. Food club functions to increase healthy food access by providing a grocery store experience in a points-based system, by offering membership participation at a low monthly cost to purchase points, by promoting nutrition as those healthy food options are less points, and by providing convenient hours for the community. Some highlights since opening in the fall, they have expanded their hours because of more volunteers that have been able to serve, They now offer toiletry and personal hygiene items. They registered almost 800 families for membership. They provided over 1,000 families with Thanksgiving groceries, so they just continue to bless. How's it going for our church involvement so far? Currently, we have about 20 committed volunteers who are working two shifts per month. We started by filling one evening shift with our empty nester small group, and then we're able to fill a second shift in the morning. Volunteers had to participate in a training orientation and now can serve in a variety of roles at food club, including greeter, cashier, food rescue, and food sorting. So some of our volunteers, I asked if they would maybe share an experience so far, and one shared that she and her husband have enjoyed learning more about Community Action House and food in general, and have been amazed at how through sorting, they can provide great food through the club when normally that food would be thrown away. For example, while working in the food rescue, they sorted potatoes, those smelly rotten ones, and then saved the good ones for um, offering in the food club. Last month, she served as a greeter while two other teammates were cashiers, and they really had fun talking with the families coming in and out of the store, and were jealous of the beautiful grapes and the blackberries that they were able to get for just one point. The neat thing about the food club is the least expensive products like produce and meat are most, are most expensive in a typical store. Lastly, working with others from fellowship and some friends they asked to join them. They've enjoyed the social time as well, because when you work together to help others and spend time together with friends, you can't beat it. Other volunteers have shared similar experiences, highlighting that it's been a fun way to serve the community, have fellowship together with other volunteers, and they have found the food club to be a well-run program, friendly, helpful staff and clients. So, If you'd like to get involved, Community Action House Food Club welcomes new volunteers. We could add you to our sub list for our adopted shifts or you could volunteer individually at any open shift. If you're interested in more information, my email is in the bulletin, so you can send me an email and I'll forward information as well as links to get you signed up. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Shane, and our partnership with Community Action House and many other um, outside missions here and uh, across the world are made possible by the giving of our gifts and our tithes and offerings, so thank you for being faithful givers. Um, If you would like to be partnering and you haven't had a chance to give, we have offering baskets at the back, and you can also give online. At this time, I'd like to invite our kids who are three years through eighth grade to head on out and go to your places of continue your worship with Sunday school classes and Miss Betsy is out there. And then if all of us we're going to stand, we can sing together as we quiet our hearts and really focus on God before we hear God's word spoken.
4: To be sure, if you've been around the church for any amount of time, you are familiar with this story. Even if this is your first time back to church after a long time uh, being away from church, my hunch is that you might even remember this one. It's in every single one of the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in nearly—I would—I uh, I can't verify this, but I would contend it's in every single Sunday school, Sunday school curriculum. It's in every Young Life Club Talk series. It is a very familiar story. The story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 with five simple loaves and two fish. And maybe in my brokenness or blind spots, I, uh, when I was assigned to this uh, text on the preaching schedule, I was... Uh, not quite as excited. What new story are we going to muster up to tell the story again? It's just the same old thing. But thanks be to God, uh, the gospel of John, uh, as uh, I believe God revealed to me a little bit this week, has got a little different twist. And there's some unique components to this story that I think could help us. I'm going to highlight three of those unique things about John, uh, and I hope that in highlighting those three unique parts about the gospel of john's version of this story we might discover afresh a little bit more about who we are as human beings that have been created by god and also a little bit more about the very question that we've been wrestling with all of uh, 2022 who is this man that god might reveal to us a little bit more about who jesus is before we uh, dive into this familiar story let's pray god we thank you uh, that you uh, seek to reveal yourself to us through your word and through the word that we have uh, in your scriptures and we pray that as we dive into that this morning you might awaken our hearts uh, to the need that we have for you and the ways in which you uh, are the ultimate provider for us in christ's name we pray amen John, chapter six, verses one through 15. Listen to the word of the Lord from the book that we love. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover festival was near the festival of the Jews, that is, when he looked up and saw a large crowd coming to him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread for all these people to eat? He said this to test him because he knew what he was about to do. Philip answered him, six-month wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get just a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they amongst all these people? What are we supposed to do with that? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in that place, so they sat down, 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted." When they were satisfied, he told the disciples, "Gather up the fragments left over, so that there's nothing may be lost." So they gathered them up, the, and the fragments, and from the fragments of the bar, barley, five barley loaves left. They're, they're, they had eaten. There was twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that they had done, that had been done, they began to say, "This indeed is the prophet who is coming into this world." When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the other side of the mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Who's hungry? It was the question that I had been longing to hear. I had been a pastor here for less than six months before I was invited to go to Nicaragua and visit some of our focus mission partners there. I found myself late in the afternoon sitting in a foster home with a number of girls that lived in the foster home and some folks from the RCA uh, hearing the stories of what it's like to be a foster child in Bluefields, Nicaragua. It felt like I had been traveling for days to get there. It was only really about 30 hours before that I had left my home uh, here in the morning and traveled uh, to Chicago before taking an afternoon flight from Chicago to Miami, and then an evening flight from Miami to Managua, Nicaragua. Arriving late at night, we decided to stay at the hotel directly across the street from the airport. Literally, we walked to the airport. After a short night of sleep, we woke up the next morning to catch another flight from the west side of Nicaragua to the east coast of Nicaragua, to Bluefields, on a small prop plane with about 20 other folks. We traveled a couple hundred feet above sea level uh, over to Bluefields. We got there in time for breakfast. It was an early, morning, the first flight of the day. WE HAD BREAKFAST, AND THEN WE WERE GIVEN THE CHANCE TO VISIT AROUND BLUEFIELDS TO CHECK OUT THE MINISTRY SITES THAT ADRIAN, BOB, AND BERNADETTE KELLY um, LED THERE IN BLUEFIELDS, TWO OF OUR MISSION PARTNERS HERE AT FELLOWSHIP CHURCH. IT WAS FASCINATING TO SEE WHERE THEIR MINISTRY BEGAN, AT THE DUMP ON THE EDGE OF TOWN, THEIR FEEDING CLUB, THE HEALTH CENTER THAT THEY WERE WORKING ON, AND THEN FINALLY MAKING IT TO Tabitha's HOUSE the namesake of their ministry that they have there. A two-story building with the bedrooms up top with a number of girls, and then the main floor, the living space, with a kitchen, an apartment for the house mom. And it was hot. And like I said, it felt like I had been traveling for days. And I was getting tired and pretty hungry propping my eyelids open, trying to stay awake. I was pinching my legs uh, in my pockets so that I wouldn't fall asleep as I was hearing their story. I was uh, getting to the point, what we call in the Skipper House, a little hankery, you know, that feeling when you're like, give me food now because I'm going to tear someone's head off. No, that's not entirely true. But I was also utterly dependent. I had no idea where I was. I had no car. Even if I had a car, I wouldn't know where to drive it. I had no way of getting what I was yearning for, which was some food and maybe a little bit of rest. And I was utterly dependent on the schedule of our host because I had no way of doing anything. I didn't know where I was. Finally, Adrian Bob, uh, after a, a lull in the conversation, stood up and said, hey, who's hungry? Inside, feed me now. Outside, I could eat, you know. Have you ever been desperate for your next meal? Can't wait to eat, maybe even in a situation where you were utterly dependent on someone else? It seems to me that that is similar to the feeling that those gathered there on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, the crowds might have had. For the past three chapters we've been looking at jesus's private conversations with nicodemus with the man at the pool with the samaritan woman one-on-one conversations that have started to spiral the news about who this jesus character is and the crowds are curious they also want to be healed they also want to be amazed and maybe even known in a way they've never been known before and so they travel far, far away from places that are unfamiliar to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, likely exhausted from days of hiking, maybe a little confused about where they're going to get their meal that night, and probably pretty dependent on someone else to feed them. They're not sure what the plan is going forward either. And Jesus asked them as well who's hungry? I said that there's three unique parts about john's version of this story and the first one is that that jesus is the one that asked the disciples what are we going to do for food in matthew mark and luke all three other gospels it's the disciples that asked jesus hey what are we going to do about all these people but in john jesus asked them what should we do for food who's hungry what are we going to do Philip, one of the disciples, stands up, maybe, and utters the uh, incredibly obvious for him and the the desperate situation that they had found themselves. It would take half my salary to get DoorDash food out here in time for these people to eat, and even then, they wouldn't have enough. Andrew chimes in, this boy, he's got a couple boxes of crackers and a few cans of tuna, maybe that'll help. We don't know exactly what their tone was, but the following question that Andrew asks, I think, insinuates a little bit of exasperation. When Andrew essentially asks, what are we going to do, Jesus? What are we supposed to do here, Jesus? My hunch is it's a question that we've all asked at moments of, in our exasperation. What are we supposed to do, Jesus, when we're feeling depressed after what feels like 45 straight days of snow? What are we supposed to do, Jesus, when our middle school friend betrays us? What are we supposed to do, Jesus, when our relationship with our spouse is on the rocks? What are we supposed to do, Jesus, when our kids' disobedience is starting to have significant consequences on their lives? What are we supposed to do, Jesus, when we look at our bills and in light of our income and things don't match up what are we supposed to do jesus in the midst of our pain our frustration and our dependence one thing i can be sure of is that in the midst of these moments when we're asking what are we supposed to do jesus jesus sees you jesus asks the crowd who's hungry Jesus knows their pain. Jesus has experienced their pain, their hunger, their desperation, their exhaustion. The first unique thing about John's telling of this story is that Jesus is the one that sees us in the midst of our hunger, in the midst of our dependence. What happens next in the story is common to all four versions. You know it, Jesus gives thanks, he breaks the bread, and everybody eats plenty so much so that there's 12 baskets left. It's the miracle, you might say, of the story, even though John calls it a sign. But if we step into the story a little bit and wonder how it really went down, it could have been pretty freaking hilarious. I mean, there's these people that are gathered in little grassy spots in the desert, and then they start passing the basket around, and and they start eating the bread, and then they start eating the fish, and then they notice that the bread and the fish aren't going anywhere. Hey, hey, Mom, isn't this the same bread loaf of bread that you ate? Uncle Sherman, isn't this your fish that you ate from? How how am I still eating from it? Parents look at each other and are like, hey, grab those middle school boys, bring them in. They can eat. We have endless supplies of food. This is better than the Golden Corral. It's free. I play that up a little bit because John's telling of this story highlights something that John, uh, John does something unique here. He says that the crowd has as much as they wanted. In the other three Gospels, the crowd that was fed was simply satisfied. But in John, they aren't only satisfied, but they have as much as they wanted, which might insinuate that they had more than they needed, maybe even gorge themselves a little bit, have a little food coma like we do on Thanksgiving Day. The second thing that john seems to pay close attention to is the reaction of the crowd they had as much as they wanted and at the end after they had all eaten john points out that the crowd is the one that said hey here's a prophet here's a man from god let's make him king Do you see what he just did for us? He took five loaves and two fish and multiplied them. Imagine what else he could do. What if we gave him filet mignon and French bread? Do you think we could get endless supplies of that too? What if we pay him taxes and he was the ruler of our army? Imagine how powerful our nation, imagine how powerful we would be. Jesus for president for 2022, make him king. And yet Jesus is the one that slips away, hides on the other side of the mountain. I think what John is articulating here is that the reaction of the crowd reveals something about our human nature. The crowd wanted Jesus to be king because he gave them a bunch of food, bread and fish. It seems like Jesus knew that they were hungry not for his kingship over their lives, but they were hungry for more stuff, more bread. Which has me wondering, not just who's hungry, but who are you hungry for? What if the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is an invitation for us to get curious about what we really desire, about what we're really hungry for? I mean, there's all kinds of things that are claiming to fill you these days, aren't there? Political leaders promise to fulfill your life with campaigns of more and better. If elected, I will make you have lower taxes and be able to fill your pocketbooks. If elected, I'll make your life easier by giving you smooth roads and fast trains. If elected, I'll make our nation even better than it is. Awesome, an epic change from what once was. Marketing campaigns do the same thing, don't they? They don't promise just a good product, but they promise a better life. If you buy this lotion, you won't just be removed from wrinkles, but you will look and feel younger, invigorated. If you buy this car yes it performs well and it goes fast but imagine the thrill every morning when you put this thing into drive your life will be awesome make us your insurance company and yeah our coverage will be good but if something bad happens life will be easy for you not just leaders or marketing campaigns though Maybe more tempting in our society today is the subtle power and allure of ideologies that claim to fulfill us. If you give your full allegiance to this party, you'll never have to ask questions about any position ever again because we'll tell you exactly what you should think. If you believe this about that, then you can be in the right and you can judge everybody that thinks differently than you. If you surround yourself with people that think just like you, then your life will be very full and very, very easy. How awesome would that be? Ideologies, leaders, marketing campaigns, and any other sorts of things, any number of things, are claiming to fulfill our lives today. In John's version of this story, Jesus asks us, who are you hungry for? john is begging is revealing to us the nature of humanity that we want more that we want something to fulfill our lives there's a yearning inside of each one of us that will never seem to be never seems to be satisfied and it begs the question who are you hungry for what are you hungry for After this, the crowd, tried, after they, the crowd tried to make Jesus the king. Well, we, skip, we could skip, a, there's a little section in here that we didn't read where uh, Jesus goes to the other side of the mountain and his disciples take the boat to the other side of the sea and the sea, the storms come and then Jesus walks on water and gets the disciples safely to the other side. We'll skip that part and jump to the second part of John chapter 6 when Jesus teaches on what this miracle is all about. The rest of the chapter, he will expound on that to his disciples. But I just want to share with you one small part from John chapter 6, starting in the 25th verse. And it's a sermon that Jesus is offering to the crowd that has now caught up to him on the other side of the sea. And it's from Eugene Peterson's version, The Message. Jesus says to the crowd, You've come looking for me again, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you. I filled your stomachs and for free don't waste your time your energy striving for perishable food like that work for food that sticks with you food that nourishes your lasting life food that the son of man provides he and what he does is guaranteed by the father to last and then a little later john jesus makes the first of his declarative I am statements I am the bread of life the person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirst no more forever in John's telling of this famous story Jesus makes abundantly clear that only when we feast on Jesus will the hunger and the, the yearning inside of us be fulfilled only the bread of life can feed our hunger for more just got me wondering what does it look like for me or you or us together to be that kind of hankery that I was in Nicaragua for Jesus what's it look like for us to feast on Christ John's version of the feeding of the five story reveals yes that Jesus sees us amidst our hunger and yes it reveals the human desire to be fulfilled by other things but it also makes explicit that the only Christ can fill our deepest hungers as the bread of life. As a faithful community, we seek to live that out. We seek to allow other people to experience the fulfillment that only Christ can offer. We believe that Jesus Christ is the center of the universe and the very center of our lives and the only one that can satisfy our hungry souls. We claim it every single week in our mission statement. We're the kind of we want to be the kind of people, the kind of community that hungers for the most important thing, and yet holds space for the lesser things, the lesser foods, you might say. For the past bit, for the past fifty years, we as a community have been really proud. We have a lot to be proud of because we have done that. We have kept Christ, I believe, uh, and certainly we've failed at times, but we've kept kept Christ at the center of our work and our ministry and our very lives. In an effort to live that mission out even more so today, we're going to try something new uh, in a couple weeks. And it's it's an idea. It might be a good idea. It might be a bad idea. It might flop, but we believe we can try it. It's not that hard. We don't think maybe it will be, um, but our leaders uh, and staff and our uh, the leaders of our church, the staff and the consistory sense it's a way for us to embody who we claim to be each and every week with our mission. We've noticed in the past number of months that uh, the folks that gather uh, in this space on a, at a nine a.m. worship service number about 150 people. And at the same time, there's about 100 different folks that join us each week at the 9 a.m. service and about 40 more that join us at this 10 o'clock service, 10.30 service um, for worship on a Sunday morning. We think, we extrapolate maybe that about one and a half uh, for every viewer, there's a screen. There's probably a, a couple or in some, in some cases, an individual in other cases, and maybe a family of four to seven watching on the other side of the screen which means that during our 9 a.m. service, we have about the same number, if not more, people watching online than we do here in the sanctuary. And it's gotten us curious uh, about what prompts people to worship online. And we've heard a various number of things and reasons for why people watch online. But one recurring thing, theme that we have heard from those that worship with us online is a desire to be safe out of necessity for themselves or someone that they live with or work with some of those same people have expressed a yearning you might even say call it a hunger to be in this space to worship with you you had a reluctance to do so in light of the fact that some people don't wear masks so it is our plan as a staff and as a a consistory to have one service on February 20th at 9 a.m the 9 a.m service be masked required an elevated safety uh service so that folks that might be worshiping with us online be, feel a little bit more comfortable in coming here to do the most important thing we recognize that this uh, it might not have implications for those of you that are worshiping with us at uh, this service um, but if it's a way for you that are worshiping online uh, to join us uh, in that way we would love to have you come We know that mass are a contentious issue and something that can stir in us some big feelings. But we also know that that's a a lesser food, if you will, (laughs) that the most important thing is that we, together, as the body of Christ, can feast on Jesus, the center of our very lives. My friends, Jesus did an amazing thing some 2,000 years ago, taking food, bread, and fish, and multiplying them but that's simply a sign, an object lesson, you could call it, pointing to a deeper truth that Jesus is the bread of life, and our deepest yearnings and longings can only be fulfilled when we feast on him. And so Jesus asks us this morning, Who's hungry? And who are you hungry for? In just a moment, we will have the opportunity together as one body and one family to feast at the table of our Lord, and do just that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.
2: We invite you to join us in singing these words from John chapter 6. If you're not familiar with the melody, maybe by the second or third or fourth time we sing through it, you'll be comfortable with it.
0: Well, friends, who's hungry? It's the question of the day today and an appropriate one, and as Pastor Nate has helped us to say, an even deeper one, perhaps, is who or what are you hungry for? Fittingly, we've studied this text in John chapter 6 where Jesus cares for people, a crowd of people, and he cares for them body and soul, if you will. He feeds them real food, physical food that you can touch and taste, and he also offers to them the intangibles christian fellowship forgiveness of sins life everlasting and so we come to him again hungry if you are in this place or even online we invite you to now get ready your elements so that you can partake with us in just a few moments there are elders walking down the aisles if you are forgot to get them on the way in just raise your hand And you can make ready on the home front as well. We want to acknowledge together that we come to this table, the table of our Lord Jesus Christ, to remember him, his person, and his work. We come to this table, the table of our Lord Jesus Christ, for fellowship, for communion with one another and with the host, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we also come to this table in hope, believing that all of his benefits are made available to us and permanent through his life death and resurrection we invite to this table at fellowship church all who love god and who are learning to follow jesus let's pray together
4: holy and right it is and our joyful duty O god to give thanks to you at all times and all places our creator the almighty and everlasting god you created heaven with all its hosts and the earth with all its plenty You have given us life and being, and you preserve us by your providence, but you have shown the fullness of your love by sending into this world your Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal Word, made flesh for us and for our salvation. For the precious gift of this mighty Savior who has reconciled us to you, we praise and bless you, O God. At the same time, most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ For the sin of the whole world, in the joy of his resurrection, and in the expectation of his coming again, we offer ourselves to you as holy and living sacrifices. We believe the mystery of the faith, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and that Christ will come again. And so we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit upon us, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and the blood of Christ. Grant that, being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things into Christ our Lord. And as the grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf, and these grapes from many hills into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.
0: Friends, the same Jesus who once gathered a crowd into fields of green and fed them, he would later gather his disciples around a table, and it was the very same night on which he would be betrayed. Even so, on that night, he took bread, and after having given thanks to God, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. I invite you to grab the piece of bread from your pouch, place it in your hand, and picture yourself now in those fields of green, in the company of those sitting before Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Take, eat, remember, and believe.
4: After they had supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. I invite you to grab your cup, and if you haven't peeled it off, (laughs) pop the top. And remember for a moment the sacrifice that Jesus made and the blood that was shed on your behalf. Friends, taste the gospel. The blood of Christ was shed for you.
0: Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's continue in our worship by remembering and experiencing this meal with our Lord Jesus Christ, and let's join together in song. Please stand.
4: Jesus asks the question, Who are you hungry for? I am the bread of life. Jesus says, feast on me. As you consider how you might feast on Jesus this week, may the grace of him and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace.